The Celtics, except for Marcus Smart, all test negative for the coronavirus, and it's Marcus Smart Day. We're back doing the deep dives on this Tuesday Locked On Celtics. Millies, let's go. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's is the best way. Melly. Marcus Smart Day here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. I'm John Corrales from MassLive.com. I want to thank you, as always, at the top for making this the number one podcast covering the Boston Celtics. That exists right now. So all of those five-star reviews, all of those ratings, all of that stuff is great. Anybody that wants to advertise on the number one Locked On Celtics podcast, and this is an uncertain time, maybe there's something that you can advertise to get to people, something remote, if you want to hit these people, Email LockedOnCeltics at gmail.com. Hit us up. There's still there's still services. There are still things being sold and people at home that could use things. So if you think that works for you on the podcast, go ahead and email LockedOnCeltics at gmail.com. Okay. Joining me today is Adam Taylor to talk about Marcus Smart. He's from Celtics Blog. He does the Celtics Blog podcast. And he's on Double Clutch UK joining us from the UK. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Kind of excited. How are you doing today, John? You staying well, staying I'm, safe? I'm okay. Like I am, con- I'm one of the very fortunate people that I'm, I'm used to working from home. It's what I do. Um, I live in a fairly secluded spot. I can go for a run and not bump into people. I make my little quick grocery store runs and come home. Um, I'm okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm lucky and I understand that I'm lucky. So hopefully, uh, you know, we could do all we could all do our little part to make this a little bit better. How are you holding up? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm um I'm an avid gamer, so I've been preparing for this lockdown my entire <laughs> life. So I'm doing well. That's Staying the, safe. That's the one thing that, like, I'm sure if I was like, if this was like 10 years ago, even I would have still been into video games, and it would have been it would have been a little bit different for me. But now, yeah, it's fine. You know, I turn. Around, Play around on my phone, kind of spend a little too much time on Twitter. So uh, I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta curtail the Twitter stuff. It gets me into trouble sometimes. Uh, but the first, we got a little bit of breaking news. Uh, I, uh, as a team source, uh, told me uh, that the COVID nineteen testing is all back. The Boston Celtics and their staff have all been tested, and Marcus Smart remains the only positive test for the Boston Celtics. All other players, all other staff that they tested are all negative. So that's a bit of good news. I know there are people, I can see it in my responses, they're wondering how they got those tests. It's a fair criticism. Um, I'm, I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that they they probably went through a private route, um, which they have the means to do it. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know about you, man, but I, I would like to see these teams that have have gone through the testing privately find some way to donate to to help kind of mitigate the the issues uh, around the their their home areas just as a sort of sh- uh, sign of goodwill like hey look 
we're we're a multi-million dollar team, a, a billion dollar industry. We can go spend fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars to test our guys. Um, which, look, I think they should because these guys were exposed. They traveled. They're at high risk. You don't want to have these guys as spreaders. Um, I if they can do it without uh, without impacting. The private, I mean, the, the public sector, I think that's fine. But I think as a gesture of goodwill, they should find a way to do something to kind of say, hey, look, we understand that we are fortunate and we get to kind of like cut the line on this. So we're going to do something, donate masks, buy and donate masks, gloves, something. I, I think that would be a good gesture. So the bare minimum I think that they should be doing is any player that's testing positive, they should be trying to backtrack who they've came into contact with that was actually at work at the time, but do, just doing their job and offer free testing to those people. That could be a start. Um, and then, like you say, masks or anything like that. But it is hard to backtrack who you've been in contact with. It's so it's so hard to say. Like I, I can speak from personal experience. The last time Marcus Smart was in public, he gave a post game interview at Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indiana. I sat directly across. From Marcus Smart. I was the closest person to Marcus Smart in that room. And I don't know if he was positive at that point. That was like, at this point, almost two weeks ago. So it's possible he wasn't positive at that point. But he must have gotten it from somewhere. So I'm I'm one of those people that could be like, hey, you know, <laughs> why don't you throw one of those privately bought tests my way? Because... You know, I'm I'm a little bit concerned myself, but I've been kind of in isolation for the most part, and I haven't been uh, stupid about it. I'm not breathing on people, I'm not touching things, and leaving them. So, hopefully, but I'm not I'm not that concerned. But a little bit, there's a little bit there. But they, I think they should do something. But the good news is that the Celtics, aside from Smart, are are mostly untouched and. Um, I think if this if the NBA is going to try to resume their schedule at some point, then I think they're going to have to find a way to to get everybody tested and make sure that if they're going to restart the season, that they can't have like guys who are maybe sort of at risk. Oh, for sure. You need to be limiting exposure and any risk as much as possible. It's today's actually been the first day that uh, the UK declared a lockdown. So that was happened about two hours prior to recording this. Um, the soccer leagues out here out here have been shut down for a little while too, but people are still being tested positive now for interactions they had 10 days ago. So mitigating that risk as much as possible is definitely the most important thing at this point to kind of, they're calling it flattening the curve here. Yes. Is that what they're saying that's there? What, that's what they're saying it here too. That's the big, the big thing, flattening the curve. So we can get people kind of not uh, inundating our hospitals. Um, I, th I think really the biggest message here is this is just so uh, easy to trans to, to transfer to other people. The way I, I heard it put was uh, if I had the regular flu, just being out and about normally, you would infect like 1.3 or 1.4 people. And over the course of a few days, you could theoretically expose your, that to 14 people. But COVID-19, you can infect three people 
And if they all infect three people over a certain course of that same amount of time, you can infect 59,000. Um, but the, the, the problem is it's very infectious and, uh, the people that do get sick, get very, very sick. Um, for all I know, I might, I might even have had it and it worked through my system. That, that happens to a lot of people too. Um, uh, but the goal here is not for me to spread it and get it to other people. So, uh, okay. That I will leave that there. That's the news of the day. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk basketball. We're going back into our deep dives. The whole reason I've got Andrew here is to talk Marcus Smart because it's a particular subject that he's written about plenty on Celtics blog. So we'll get back to that. Uh, let me first tell you about uh, the most useful app on my phone. Uh, well, up until this this thing here, but even now, uh, as I try to sit down and read and learn more, uh, I haven't had a lot of free time, and it's hard to read or work on personal development. And this this app solves that problem. It's called Blinkist. It's really unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or on your computer on a web browser. It takes the best, the key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Uh, successful people like business leaders like Brad Stevens are well known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly. You can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish your book during a commute, a lunch break, while you exercise, whatever it is. If you're quarantined and you have an opportunity to go out for a jog, you can listen to it too. That's what I do. That's when I'm going to listen to these things. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. and has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists, as well as classic nonfiction titles that you've always meant to read. I have a ton of those. Never had time to. Okay. I like Blinkist because I travel a lot. And for me, you only get like 15, 20, 30 minute blocks here and there. So it gives me the main points of a book, which I want to use right away. And then I can maybe read the book later. So with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books that you want for one low price. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA for a limited time. Blinkist has this special offer just for this Lockdown Celtics audience. Blinkist.com slash NBA. You try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your seven-day free trial. You'll also save 25% off only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Marcus Smart is one of the core five players that the Celtics rely on. We know that who their best players are. It's their four starting wings, uh, well, three starting wings plus Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart, even though he's not starting. Uh, Very (laughs) valuable. I shouldn't say that. He started 39 games this year. But uh, the Celtics, one of the most valuable players the Celtics are going to have. Very obviously, he's an all-defensive player uh, and maybe, possibly, 
a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year, at least the guy who will get votes. So what did you think that – what were you looking for from Marcus Smart coming into this season? So ideally you just want him to play the role he's been playing up until this point because it's what's got him – all NBA defense nods. It's what's got him minutes in the rotation as a limited offensive weapon. And that's to be a plus defender and to really get the ball out of guys' hands as quickly as possible to make trouble for the, for the offense when they're driving the lanes. But it seems to have kind of come into the year with a bit more of a attack mentality, which isn't something that personally I was hoping he would have coming in. Because to me, his number one priority should always be getting stops. Yeah, I thought coming into the season that uh, the the one thing I really wanted from him was obviously you want him to continue being Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is like you know defensively he's going to be what he is. I, I don't think he's you, he's programmed to be anything but who he is defensively. The, what I really wanted was the shooting to kind of maintain like just don't go back to the 28% guy don't go back down to the 30% guy stay around league average the last year he shot 36.5% this year uh 30 just about 35% not quite 35 34.8 uh which still it's good enough uh so if you look at the body of his work and you say oh all right well 13 and a half points. He's still doing what he does. He's rebounding a little bit better. His assists are at a career high. Um, he's still doing the, the defensive thing. His, his defensive rating is still, is still kind of, kind of where you want it to be, uh, where it's been. So I, I would say I'm happy about that. But when I look at the actual kind of production on the court, um, it's been interesting to see, how he's evolved, I think, as a player, where he's he doesn't seem to be finishing at the rim. He's not he's not doing the things that he did. Like last year, he shot sixty three percent from inside five feet. This year, he's shooting forty six percent from inside five feet. But last year, he was shooting thirty eight percent from ten to fourteen, and this year, he's shooting. 49% from 10 to 14. So instead of getting all the way to the rim, he's shooting kind of like more of these floaters and more of those shots kind of like in the lane at the free throw line. Uh, it's just an interesting change. And what you see that the, the net result there is he's not taking free throws at, at all. Like he's, he's, he's never been a big free throw guy, but like, man, I, I'd really like to see him get to the line a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. That, Driving into the lane as well, where he's only finishing at 46%, is having him at the 11th percentile. So he's among, like, there's 10% of players worse than him at finishing at the rim at the moment. So I feel like that plays a lot of a mental part as well. Like, he's reluctant to drive because he doesn't feel like he might finish around the rim, which then has the knock-on effect of not getting him to the line. The other thing is as well, he's doing most of his scoring at the moment from outside, so when you're draining those deep bombs, the last thing that you're trying to do, unless you're in like left in the third or through the fourth, is trying to draw those fouls on the three-point shot. So, But I don't think that's part of his game either. He doesn't seem to be the guy that's trying to break you down after dribbling and get to the line from from contact on the way to the rim, 
which is something you'd want to see from him, really, because of the mentality he's got on defense. If he could have to have that translate onto offense and try and not shoot as many threes, but then drive the lane instead with the aim of getting to the line, it's something we wanted from Tatum coming into the year as well. It's kind of weird talking about wanting Smart to do that now. Yeah, it is. But I mean, you look at he's he's taking just about seven three pointers per game, uh, which is at two. He's taking two point six more per game from three than he did last year. Uh, he's increased his shot his shots in general, taking four more four and four point eight more per game. Uh, he's shooting thirty eight percent thirty eight percent from the field. <laughs> Uh, just 42.5% from two. Uh, so he's taking more threes than twos, so it makes it palatable. Uh, but it's, it's, I still think there's a lot of room for him to clear up, uh, clear things up inside the three. Um, let's, let, let, let's just stick on the two pointers for now because I think the three pointer thing is an interesting discussion as well, but like, I don't know that I'm particularly in love with the shot profile that he's taking inside inside the two. Uh, to your point, like, and I don't know why he's not getting all the way to the rim or or not trying to do some of the things that he had done in the past. Uh, it, it's maybe it's just because of who he has on the floor. What about this? Is the fact that he shares the floor a lot with Ennis Cantor part of the problem? Because he and Cantor are on the on the floor together a lot. They both generally come off the bench. Cantor is a lane clogger. If if you drive, Cantor's guy is going to be there. So you're kind of forced into taking some of those shots. So when he's playing with Cantor, what I've noticed they do a lot is play like a, a nice slip screen game between the two of them. Marcus will run a drag screen and then Cantor will slip between them. And then Marcus will try and hit Cantor on the roll, which can open up uh, a space for Marcus to then cut to the rim hard and try and get that pass back from Cantor to finish around the rim. Because when, when Cantor's got his back to the rim and he's being defended by a reasonable defender at best, then he's going to struggle to score and it would open up the lane for Marcus when he's cutting. It doesn't seem to be happening at the moment, so I kind of need to agree that Cantor definitely is a lane clogger, but I feel like if Marcus was cutting harder and he didn't have... He was playing more free, sometimes it feels like he's got the shackles on when he's within the three-point range, that he'd be a far more dangerous scorer on the drive. Well, that's interesting. Um, I think... I wonder if Marcus is taking a little bit... Uh, like if he if he's thinking well the three is worth more than two and he feels good about his three his confidence is is sky high with the three um, then maybe he just thinks he'd rather just spot up rather than try to get to the lane and maybe get to the line might as well fire away from three and if you hit it you're definitely getting your three points um, I also if I'm if I'm out on the floor and I'm you, you're, the scenario that you laid out, if Cantor's got the ball in the post and I'm on the floor and I cut, I'm not expecting the ball. How many times is it, how many times then is Cantor going to find somebody on the cut that you're talking about? That's completely fair. That's completely fair. But the cut also creates the room for Cantor to drop step and get to the room himself as well. Yeah, he's going to do that anyway. <laughs> he's going. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Whenever he gets the ball. 
in the post or in that area, he's going to shoot. Like that's he's not passing. I don't have Ennis Cantor's numbers in front of me, but like everything you say makes sense. If you're playing with, I don't know, Horford or somebody else that has more of an inclination to pass in those scenarios, uh, I don't think the cuts and and maybe you do make that cut and you try to clear some space, but it it's still if you're going to score and if you're on the floor with Ennis Cantor, you're not going to score driving. And this drives me nuts because he'll set a pick and he'll just dive right down to the middle of the lane regardless and get himself into some sort of offensive rebounding position. And all he does is brings a defender. Even if the play is to really pop it, he brings that defender all the way down and and doesn't let players get to the rim. I'd be interested in seeing, uh, and I just had this thought popping in my head. Somebody with maybe I'll I'll do this tomorrow or something. What the Celtics plays at the rim are with Cantor on the floor versus off the floor. Like percentage of shots at the rim for the Celtics offense, Cantor on and off. I want to pull that over right now. It's um, it's a definitely a good argument to make. When, as you say, when he's rolling to the rim and he's pulling that defender in, it's blocking the lane for the ball handler as well. I do think that a guy like Tice is more suited to playing that slip screen and then the one-two pass to the hard cutter. And Smart spent a lot of time on the floor with Tice as well when Kemba's been injured, and it still hasn't been something we've seen. But obviously, when Smart's in the starting lineup, he's less of an offensive threat because you've got the likes of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all going to work instead. Yeah, that's the other part of it. So it, it, this may just be a, a function of who he who he's playing with more than what he wants to do offensively. Like if he's on the floor with all of those other guys, what's he is he going to drive? Is he going to be the driver? Because Kemba's the driver, Jalen's the driver. Tatum is is still more of a drive. Like Smart is, I guess in that scenario, if we had to rank, let's let's say that he's playing on the floor, and this hasn't this hasn't happened much, but he, whatever combination of Tatum, Brown, Kemba, and Hayward, when he's on the floor with three of those guys, is he maybe the third or fourth best slasher of the group? Yeah, I think that's without a doubt. When he's on the floor with three of those guys, he's definitely going to be the the fourth option coming off any form of pin down or any form of cut. They're going to be looking for elsewhere before they hit smart. Right. So smart, if he's on a different team, maybe he does some of the things that we're talking about. Maybe maybe the type of game that we would like him to play is more of a function of, hey, well, last year, I wasn't on, you know, maybe, or the years before, there was more room because the big was out of the lane, you know, between Horford and Tice and even Baines to a, a degree. He wasn't really clogging the lane all the time. And uh, I had opportunities to, like, that That could be a, what Marcus Smart would say. Uh, and now with those other guys, if he's on the floor, he's running the play, he's... He's, you know, moving the ball. If you run a pick and roll with him, he's looking to pass. Um, he's he's more facilitator and spot up guy. And I think 
maybe, maybe more so than, hey, I want to take more threes this year is the fact that I'm in a position to take more threes this year because why would all of a sudden a guy who I'm going to run down his entire career, the five years before this per game, 4.1 three point attempts as a rookie four second year, 4.2 third year, 4.6 fourth year, 4.3 last year, 6.9 this year. So who he was before it was pretty consistent. You look through all of his numbers, pretty consistent. And then this year, things suddenly changed. Um, and wouldn't you know, it's because, you know, this year also, the teammates changed. The The construction of the teams changed. The, the fact that they've got three or four wings, depending on health, out there. And the team is, this is the most uniquely constructed Celtics team has been on. I think maybe we hit on something. Maybe smarts the change in smarts offense is because of the team makeup more so than what he's trying to do himself. Yeah, you can't argue that to be fair, especially when he's coming off the bench because the way the bench is and how devoid of offensive talent he actually is at the moment. There's times when he's actually the primary option to score. I mean, I trust smart shooting the ball more than Brad Wanamaker, apart from that short scratch that Brad had where he was actually do like a positive on offense which was what it was like a two-month short-lived spurt so when he's coming off the bench and he's with brad wanamaker grant williams to an extent romeo langford then he's definitely looking more like a offensive first option at that point and then once he's placed around the other guys like jalen tatum jason brown gordon hayward then he's definitely sliding back down into that four four fifth option which might be why he's shooting more because he's coming off the bench with a bunch of teammates where he has no choice but to shoot more. Yeah, all right. Oh, I think I think maybe we hit on something there. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll kind of talk about uh, a little bit more, maybe some things that we'd like to see moving forward with Marcus Smart. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. So, Adam, the most recent thing you wrote uh, on Celtics blog was kind of like the Marcus Smart experience. Um, and I think we have to talk about the, the downside of Marcus Smart, which is usually his emotional outbursts. Like that's he's always good for one. Every season, whether it was nearly losing the function of his hand uh, by smashing a picture in Los Angeles a couple years ago or other things, like there's always a stretch in Marcus Smart season where you have the, the wild outburst, the something that costs him money or time or both. And I think we kind of went through it recently. Uh, when he got fined, was it $35,000 for berating the refs? Was it after the Brooklyn game? Uh, yeah, it was after the Brooklyn game, which led me to that article. Um, didn't go down well. There's a lot of Marcus Smart fans that were, and you can understand why. What he brings to the team is definitely worth going through those emotional outbursts, but it's definitely something that does play a part into his overall impact on the team when you're going through stretches where he's, 
suspended or injured due to losing his temper. Yeah, and, and I think he knows it. I think he's gotten better with it. But I think there are just some times where he can't help himself. Um, and that's that's always been the thing. I mean, I've, I've written plenty about about that. Anybody who's written about the Celtics for any extended amount of time has probably written a Marcus Smart needs to control himself a little bit more. But what's the balance here? It, what's what's the thing? Like, how much do you give him if you're like Brad Stevens? How much leeway do you give him because you know you have to have that fire? You know, you need to have that kind of spark. That something that has the potential to get out of control. It's almost like it's chaos that you have to try to contain. It's containing the atom, but at some point it's gonna it's gonna get out there. That energy is gonna get out there and, and, and overflow. Yeah, and you see it happen with other teams too. Like Patrick Beverly is probably the closest comparison that you can give to Marcus Smart in terms of that intensity that they play with. I don't believe what Beverly says. I feel like Smart plays with as much, if not more, intensity than Bev. I saw that um, response he gave to you a few months back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like if, there's a point where if you rein him in too much, you lose his effectiveness on the floor. But if you give him free reign consistently, then you're going to be running into trouble late, late in close games because he, he does have a tendency to boil over. And that's simply because he wants to win and he holds people accountable. Well, th- that kind of bleeds into the next thing with Marcus Smart. And if we're talking about things he can do better, that emotion, that mentality, it's also like an extreme confidence and how many times, even this season, have has he taken shots late in games? You're like, maybe you should have worked that around and gotten Jalen or Jason uh, a look, or Gordon Hayward, who's been cooking and and has had some, you know, fourth quarters where he he hasn't kind of come through. Uh, there are times where Marcus Smart has maybe a little too much confidence in his shot and that kind of plays into like the mentality the the emotions I, I feel like that emotion leads into that feeling like I got this almost like when you're at a poker table and you just have this feeling you feel that that 10 is coming around you're going to get that blackjack or like you just have this this thing and it, it goes into Marcus Smart's emotions that he's like I'm going to hit this shot, which you need to be that level of player. It's it's that Paul Pierce mentality. It's that, you know, the clutch player mentality. And sometimes he comes through. Sometimes he takes some wild shots and he comes through. But, like, sometimes he doesn't. And you're just like, all right, Marcus, just calm it down. Just that, that touch. Turn the volume from, like, 12 down to 10. Yeah, he's been responsible for shooting the team back into games this year, and he's been responsible for shooting them out of games this year. And it's finding that fine line again as the same thing. It's controlling the chaos. At what range do you accept him taking a few of those shots early to gauge whether he's got it that night or not? And where do you draw the line and say, like, right, Marcus, you've shot X amount of shots this quarter or this half, and it's not falling, so for the rest of the game, focus on defense and focus on facilitating and then it's hoping that he listens, right? I mean, 
he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to be petulant, but he does strike me as a guy that if, like you say, if he's feeling it, then he's going to keep putting those shots up, come what may. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the thing with Marcus Smart is he's always feeling it, right? Like, th- this is the dude that'll take a heat check after making one shot. So yeah, it's quite funny when you watch them back like two weeks removed, but during the game, um, I've like, they're usually playing at like 2am here and I'll wake the whole house up <laughs> just screaming at the TV. <laughs> um, it's, it's wild. Um, but you know, in, in a little bit of a, like, I, it's nitpicky. I think, um, we want Marcus smart to be Marcus. Like that's, if the Celtics are going to be their best, Marcus Smart has to be Marcus Smart. We have to ride that ride. But you just hope that sometimes, like, I don't know, it's like a roller coaster, and you're not 100% confident that that restraint is fully locked in, right? You ever ride a roller coaster and you're like... <laughs> I think that clicked. Did that click? Is it supposed to click twice? Because it only clicked once. And then the ride is off. You're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And then at the end, it could be a whole lot of fun. Or there could be some some dicey moments and you're like, you know, you're shitting yourself by the end. Yeah, Marcus Smart's like the Celtics version of Space Mountain. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, and I love it. Like, I, I, I really do enjoy... All of Marcus Smart, like the whole thing, like he is, I think, refreshing as a now as a reporter there talking to him very often. Uh, it is refreshing to talk to him. Like I feel like when you sit down with him in a one-on-one situation, he's he's thoughtful. He's he's trying to give you like a real answer, uh, and that's I mean that that means a lot to me, and I think that means a lot to fans because. That, that's my job. My job is to tell these stories that we think the fans want to hear and, and kind of give them that connection. So I think the connection between Marcus Smart and everybody is real. Like my favorite moment from, for Marcus is the broom game. You remember the, the, the two, the two games in a row where the ball got stuck and he knocked the broom, he knocked the ball loose with the broom. And then the second yeah. one, he got the MVP chance. Like my favorite moment was talking to him about it after the game. And he starts going off about like, how much that really meant to him. And I thought it was going to be like a fun, like, ah, goofy, whatever. And he took it seriously. And like, I enjoyed that because he really felt the love from Boston fans. And he kind of like, at that point, it was like the height of Marcus smart this season. Like he was maybe the most popular player in Boston, uh, short of at that point, like Tom Brady, uh, it was it was wild, but that that whole thing was like my my favorite moment for sure. Oh, for sure. And when you say he's got like one of the most popular guys in Boston, if you write an article that's pointing out negatives of Marcus Smart, you're going to realize how right or die a lot of Celtics oh, yeah. fans are for Marcus Smart. Oh yeah, and and look, it's it's earned. He has earned it, and he is the typical prototypical. Boston athlete. He's exactly the type of guy that Boston fans love to love because he's, he, you know, he's coming in and working hard. He, you know, he's coming in and being tough. He's not going to take any shit. Every once in a while, he does something that's funny. Every once in a while, he drives you nuts, but he's, he's good at what he does. 
He tries really, really hard, and he's not going to take anything from anybody. And that and, and that genuine nature that he has, it all adds up to the perfect Boston athlete because that's what Boston is. Boston's a tough place to live. It's cold. It sucks through like five months of the year. It gets it gets dark at four thirty in the afternoon. Like it's it's tough throughout like a third of the year to live in the city of Boston. Um, it, it hardens a lot of people and they, you know, this is a, a, a blue collar type of area, New England. There's a lot of industry, a lot of manufacturing. This, this entire region was industrial for the longest time. Our history, our roots are all industrial in this part of the world. Um, and that comes through in the types of people who live and work around here uh, for like who are lifelong New Englanders, lifelong Bostonians. So this type of attitude, you can see like that's why they love him. He fits perfectly. Like if he was just Marcus and the guy that was just going to work every day, like he's a guy, he's totally a guy you'd like to have beers with. He's awesome. Oh yeah, well, I don't even live in Boston, and I'd be happy to go out for some beers with Marcus Smart. <laughs> but I'm signing, I'm getting him to sign a waiver to begin with, saying if he gets me into trouble, he's taking the rap. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, if there's ever a zombie apocalypse, he's one of the guys I want. If there's ever a, a anything that goes down, he's one of the guys I want on my side. He's he's if you, if you're on his team, he definitely talk about ride or die. Like he's he's behind you the whole way. Uh, all right. So that's a good discussion on Marcus Smart. I want to uh, say thanks to Adam Taylor. Uh, find him on Twitter at Adam Taylor NBA. Find his work on Celtics blog. Uh, where else is it? You got the Celtics blog uh, and podcast. Double Clutch UK. Yeah, the Celtics blog podcast as well. And Double Clutch UK. Uh, thanks for uh, have you know. Thanks for uh, joining me on the podcast. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll uh, get you back on at some point soon. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I've really enjoyed it. All right, cool. And thanks to everybody here for listening. Uh, it's been great that you guys continue to listen throughout all of this. Still going Monday through Friday. Still got a lot of uh, stuff planned, so subscribe. Five-star ratings, good written reviews would be awesome. Uh, and I want to say thanks to everybody again for sticking around. That's the end of the podcast. Now tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Rejecting the Screen.